Good evening and welcome to Dynamics Update. We are two people who uh, have this podcast. It's me, Johan Persson. I work at Engage Group daily and I am a technical architect. And my colleague Gustav. Hey, Gustav. Hello, Johan. Um, thank you. My name is Gustav Sundon. I also work for Engage Group uh, since a couple of years back. Uh, also as a technical architect with a little bit more focus on the functional side, but um, I've been working with AX and Dynamics since 2009, basically. Great. We have been doing this podcast now for about nine episodes in uh, Swedish. And the whole reason why we're switching to English is because we have gotten requests from customers, colleagues in the business uh, and so on, uh, who actually are wondering why we aren't doing it in English because they are English speaking. So we thought we'd give it a try. Uh, I, I, I say like Barney Stinson, <laughs> challenge accepted. Yeah. So the, the whole point of the podcast is basically to communicate the important part of Microsoft's Dynamic 365 for Finance and Operations release notes to consultants, to customers, to uh, business users, to anyone who might be interested. We uh, select our top five items from from the release notes and and try to summarize them in a way so that we everyone understands, basically. Yeah. And uh, today, especially, I mean, some episodes, the, this whole top five is not maybe very... Um, sometimes it's top four, sometimes it's top seven. Depends on the release, of course, because we all know that it varies how much is coming into each release. And um, it's basically, I mean, our selections. So that doesn't mean it's the most important for everyone, but it's the best that we could find. And even though me and Johan are leaning towards the technical side, we try to to bring up some functional aspects as well, of course. And we also try to bring in functional guests um, with a higher knowledge in like finance or supply uh, than we have so um yeah i think that's basically it right yep and and also i would like to to end this uh, uh forward with saying that in this specific episode we will actually take into account both 10.0.14 and 10.0.15 uh, and like every other podcast we blame covid because <laughs> We haven't had time to record in a while. So that's that's why we, we are summarizing both of these releases. So yeah. 10.0.14 just got general available. So that is basically... Normally, we try to do this in, a, in the preview stage so that you know what is coming. In this case, we will su- summarize 10.0.14 even though it has been released already. Yeah, and also one disclaimer is, of course, that even though that we try to list what, what is important for us, the whole point of this podcast is also to bring awareness to the fact that you need to be aware of what is coming um, during the release plans. So we try to deep dive into some topics, but it's always very important to stay on top of what is coming uh, using documentation, of course. Uh, yes, and, and also uh, our mantra here is basically try to do the upgrades as soon as possible yeah. because you have the knowledge and, and it's important not to lag behind because that will make your job a lot harder. Yeah. So let's get started with uh, with these two releases. Yeah, uh, I can start. Um, and I this is uh, without... Um, any specific ordering or priority here, I just walked through the releases. So I'm starting with uh, 10.0.14, and I actually have one from, from 13 as well, but 
Uh, my first topic today is asset leasing. And this is a, uh, and I have to, be, well, apologize in advance. I'm not a finance consultant, but I've worked with asset leasing and uh, a lot of problems connected to the financial aspects of having assets um, or, well, um, and doing the leasing part of it where you have to, well, periodically um, depreciate an asset that you have and invoice it to the customer. And I know this has been a very cumbersome effort in Dynamics for many reasons. Uh, so I wanted to lift it and also to put a focus on that. It's very clear that from Dynamics 365 Finance, which is part of, of operations, it's a, a high focus on automation is what I can gather. And um, the asset leasing feature, it automates a lot of the calculations, a lot of the journalizing, uh, the management like dates and expiration, etc. So the hope is that it would reduce time for all of these calculations. I've been at sites where you had like five or six people or even more working every month just to, to handle the whole, um, the whole asset and the leasing and it's especially important, I think, now in today's business where you have a lot of focus on um, subscription-based billing where you have something and the customer buys it. You, they don't buy it right away. They buy it and they pay in advance for like 12, hour, 12 months or 24 months, which is a very nice thing for the customer. But it's a very hard thing for <laughs> the finance users of Dynamics. So... I would encourage you to go in and look at the asset leasing part of, of Dynamics. I think it's a very nice feature coming. Yes. So uh, my first uh, item here is something called regu regulatory configuration service. Uh, and that is basically a way to bundle reports, uh, electronic reports for, for businesses uh, because those will a lot of the times be affected by uh, regulatory changes and so on. So you will have to switch them out, even though you, you are perfectly fine with them. But but the government changes some rules and then you need to, to adapt to them. And, and um, so this, as I understand it, this is basically a way to bundle electronic uh, reports uh, and get them get them as a, as a whole package. To, mm. to adapt them in an easy way because it, it is even though I would say electronic reporting is a good thing it, it is it makes things a lot easier but it's still I would say a little more tricky than it's actually necessary <laughs> and if, because it, it it's there are a lot of dependencies there are a lot of documents that are dependent on others you need a base version and then you need this next version and the next and the next and the <laughs> So there were a lot of dependencies, which makes this a bit of a headache. But but uh, I, so I I really welcome this. This is I think this is a really good idea, making it easier. Yeah, I I really love the electronic reporting. I haven't worked with it that much, but the whole point is to to um, like you say regulatory updates. Because if you look at uh, if you have a global installation, um, let's just look at Brazil or or India, where you have these very very complex regulatory demands which have always been solved by customization, basically. Um, and a lot of customization, making it very, very hard to maintain. So um, electronic reporting framework is very nice in that aspect that you, Microsoft will guarantee that you, you are <laughs> you're compliant with the regulatory demands. 
That does not necessarily mean that you will survive without customization, but at least you you get a long way um, long way on the way. But um, to be honest, I, I I haven't worked that much with it. I don't know um, what the, the benefits of this package would do. Is it to bundle uh, a lot of reports into one nice package, or is it like framework enhancements? That's the way I understand it. It's it's a way to easily replace uh, the reports when when there are changes to legal requirements. And I mean, this is I, I didn't mention that in the beginning, but I I, um, I have not been working as long as Gustav with with AX. I I have a background in infrastructure, and ha- if there is something that has always been a problem, it's like when we are talking to banks and and. Uh, government and so on and there are these standard documents the problem is that everyone has their own <laughs> standards so they of course it's, it's never it's never a standard if someone says it's a standard walk away <laughs> because it's never a standard and and i haven't really been able to understand i mean if we have we have a known legal requirement uh, which the government sets up exactly the same for everyone and then we have a known ERP application, in this case Dynamics 365 for Finance and Operations, how come we can't really agree on one document standard between these? <laughs> yeah, I think that I mean, I think that's a separate podcast in its own, and I believe yeah. <laughs> there are already like thousands of those out there. But um I think from um within a specific country, yeah, I don't think it's a big issue. But if you look at like SEPA, the whole payment framework, which where the European Union wanted to establish um, well, a framework basically for handling electronic payments. That's a very nice thing. And you build a framework, but then you have a lot of different countries and especially a lot of different banks coming in with their own systems and their own framework. So it's never going to be easy. Uh, but at least, yeah, no, so, but at least that this gives a, 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 a general platform to start with. Uh, so you don't have to start from scratch. And I think that's a very, very good thing. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I totally agree. And, and if, if Microsoft can implement this once and for all for all of their customer in a specific region, I can't really see why there should be any other customizations. Because if you're talking to the go- if it's something that the government isn't, it's flexible. So it should be a piece of cake to adapt to what they are saying. But yeah, what, what do I know? So Gustav, what is next on your list? Uh, on my list, I have a number of things, uh, but I wanted one little detail, um, and this is maybe a bit nostalgic, but um, like I said in the beginning of this podcast, it's very important to stay up to date with, with what is coming, but it's also important to stay up to date with what is being deprecated, um, which is also displayed for each release. And um, one of the things, I just scrolled to that list, I wanted to highlight that particular feature that you have to go in and look what is being actually removed so you don't build stuff around uh, anything that's being deprecated. And uh, my nostalgia kicked in when I saw that the online users page is being deprecated as of version, I think, 10.14, right? Yeah. And um, <clears throat> those of you who are only been working with... Um, with dynamics, maybe this is not something you use, but when we worked with AX 2012, 2009, AX4, the online users page was very, um, well, not in high regard, but it's very much used uh, because there you could see who is online, how long had they been online, you can end the session, etc. It's a very 
operations sensitive page, very maintenance, um, well, key feature for maintenance basically. And it's being removed. And the reason for that, I, I will let you discuss that, you want I think, because it's it's basically, it's not needed anymore. It, that's just not how the platform works. When you work with AX 2012 or 2009, it's a very clear server client database tier. Um, where you can always see who is logged on to which AOS, etc., which server. But with Service Fabric and Dynamics Cloud, um, it's really not necessary anymore. And uh, just to give a quote here, it, usually um, you always replace what is deprecated with a feature. And then Microsoft just says, we will provide a new page in a future update. <laughs> it's not really saying us anything. But you want um, the whole Service Fabric thing with... Uh, you don't need to know which AOS you're on, basically. That's the summary, right? No, so I, I have I have two theories here. Uh, the first one uh, is that there is actually some issues with the online users page, mm. which means that there are lingering sessions which are long since uh, removed, but they are still in the list. And that, that is a problem because I think I, I would imagine that that would generate support issues. Yeah. The second one is that Microsoft is going towards uh, a service fabric deployment scenario. Um, most, uh, most, all, all, most new, at least smaller customers already have this. Older customers who has been uh, using the product for a while haven't yet been all deployed on this but it is happening in the in the coming month so the the whole point here is that for now we we won't notice any big difference but going forward the whole point of this service fabric release is actually to be able to do zero downtime releases which means that we basically deploy our package to a new instance of the front end of the application and then we just replace them. And that will take like seconds. So if, if you're a user who is online, what you will notice is maybe that you will lose your session, you refresh your browser, and then you're in again. Yeah, exactly. And that's why we don't really, we, I, I mean, we, we don't have to care anymore if there are active users. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I just, from a nostalgic perspective, wanted to raise it because I will uh, grieve it for like a second and then uh, I will move on. <laughs> but it was uh, interesting to know at least. So what's your next topic? Yeah, so uh, I would just like to mention one thing before I continue to my next topic about deprecated features, which actually made me realize that there is a feature that is also a really big deal. Maybe not as big deal as your online <laughs> users. But there is one that is actually a really big deal. And I know that my colleague Jonas actually uh, like reacted to this very deeply. Mm -hmm. And that is the uh, uh, planning optimization, which is being introduced. And what they are doing in that case is actually that they are deprecating the entire master planning engine. So if you're yeah. using master planning today, that is actually going away from next year. Yeah, so it's it's fairly and 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 I mean master planning at least as far as I know is a fairly complex operation, which means that you should probably start uh, moving over to the planning optimization engine 
right now. And it will also be much, much more efficient than, than the old master planning engine. Just mentioning that. Yeah, that's a very, very um, important mention because some of these deprecations are large. Online users, I mean, no, that's not a big thing. It's just a nostalgic thing. But MRP is, and I know there has been a lot of customizations and enhancements to MRP uh, around customers. And um, it's very, very highly used. And it's a very nice feature of Dynamics. And I would argue that this new feature is much, much better um, based on how, how, it, how it works, basically. But um, there is a transitioning here that needs to be done. And it's very important to not, well, not be too late. And with that in mind, I would like to segue over to my next point, which is on the similar topic and more on development nature. It's uh, Visual Studio, because um, some of us work with the developers on C Sharp and, and other other development areas than Dynamics, and they are always on the latest Visual Studio. So we're always like, yeah, we're still on 2015. <laughs> And they're always laughing at us. <laughs> but but um, it has been the weapon of choice for Dynamics uh, dev boxes for a long period. And hasn't been that big of a deal, I would say. But now it's very important to note that your dev boxes will not no longer be supported from... And that's maybe for a future podcast. It's for actually 10.0.16, I think. Uh, Platform Update 40 will be the um, last release with Visual Studio 2015 support. Uh, so any new dev boxes you deploy will automatically get, is it 2017 or 19? It's 17, right? You want? 17. 17, right? Yeah. Um, yep. And I mean, not really a big deal if you work the way you should by just deploying new dev boxes and not storing stuff on your dev boxes. But if you do, uh, it's very important to, to know that once you upgrade to, uh, well, 16 and platform update, uh, 40, you will no longer be supported until 2015. So important plan for that transition as well. And you have to redeploy your boxes. You cannot upgrade. I, I really like how you call it weapon of choice <laughs> because you have no choice. <laughs> but no, it's been the that's... weapon of choice for dynamics, right? So not my weapon of choice, but the weapon of choice. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So uh, the next one for me is also a supply chain management uh, item. Mm-hmm. And that is actually cloud and edge scale units for for supply chain, which is uh, a cool thing because one of my, the customers I've been working with previously actually had this as an argument for not uh, for, for actually arguing for not ch- choosing the cloud solution because they have manufacturing spread out and uh, I don't if if you know this you are not able to have multi-instance installs it it would it, you can have it but it will give you a lot of other headaches so the recommendation is always try to stay with one uh, one instance mm. the problem there is that one instance is in one region which means that the other regions will not have the best latency only the primary region will have the best latency so for this to actually to, to mitigate this uh, Microsoft is now releasing uh, a cloud uh, cloud uh, scale unit and an edge scale unit. And this cloud scale unit is deployed in your Azure, uh, in the other Azure region, which communicates on the back end with your Dynamics implementation. And it also uh, works, uh, it caches a lot of things, which means that if you're doing maintenance on your main instance, 
it will not actually affect your supply chain installs at all. And if you have really, really bad internet, you can actually use the edge scale unit, which is deployed in your warehouse, for instance. Mm. So that that really mitigates the 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 latency problem towards towards your Dynamics installation if if it's due to a local bad internet because it's out in the middle of nowhere somewhere. Yeah, that's super interesting. And I think um, what I would like here is some more, of course, testing and documentation on on the fact because it sounds very similar to the retail store scale unit, which from my experience is a, is a good thing to have from a latency where you have bad internet, which is, I would argue, more of a case from a retail perspective where you might have stores located in like the north of Sweden or you might have bad internet connection but that scenario is really dying away because you don't really you can't argue that you have bad internet anywhere in the world shortly right um so it's more interesting to know what what are the offline capabilities here of the edge scale unit uh, which i know was a, was a selling feature for them because if we go down in a data center like you said then it re- it's really interesting if the edge um, scale unit can actually support offline scenarios for production cycles. It, it does. So, so that's, that's the whole point because the, pr- the problem that, that we are getting is that if we do have one single instance, the problem is that eventually we won't have any maintenance windows. There won't be any time left in, in, in the day to do maintenance windows, which means that, that for... for uh, uh, 24/7 uh, applications yeah. like like warehouse and and like stores, we don't really have a choice. There is no time where we can actually take the system down and do these things. So I think this is something that is really really needed. Yeah, it's very cool. So I would like to to see some more of that, and that's in 10:15, right? Uh, yes, yes, that's in 10:15. That was one of the things that they actually launched at MS Ignite and the other last month or so very cool yep so next one on your list all right Uh, i have two things in one here one is from 14 actually and one is from 15 but the first one is um, it's a very detailed thing it's on commerce um, which is an area where i lean towards it's um, one of the features is basically uh, support to add items to a po purchase order when you do receiving and pos this is a very detailed thing, but it's it's a very common scenario that you you do order something from a supplier and you get it delivered and they've added stuff or you made a mistake or whatever. It doesn't match 100% to what you're actually getting, which is reality. That's just how it works. And previously it was a little bit cumbersome. You had to add it to the PO and back end and then do the receiving. But now they've added support to add the items during receiving and post. And that's a minor update, a minor feature. And I think it's um, uh, well, but, but I think it's very nice because it's actually reflecting reality because it's you don't know what happens when it actually arrives, uh, and it's focusing towards. And this is in POS, but the other thing, and this is in ten fourteen, and the other thing was the addition. And I, I've, there are a number of additions to the WMS app for um, well different events, basically a number of features added to uh, enhance the uh, warehouse processing for apps uh, from the WMS app. And one of the things that I highlighted was the um, 
processing queue for app events, where you, instead of just processing whatever comes in uh, and fails whenever it doesn't, you have a processing queue where you can build up and you can do it asynchronously and you can really build some more um, performance, well, improvements basically on, on processing the WMS. Um, and the reason I'm lifting these two is because it's it's very clear that they are focusing on store operations from a supply perspective as well as the app for WMS. So if you're looking into store operations for uh, logistics, um, well, with or without advanced warehousing, it's very clear that we are um, adding a lot of investments to those areas. And I think it's very nice. Um, well, specifically the WS app, which I think is um, getting better and better for each release. Yes, absolutely. The next one on my list is from a technical perspective, and that's the Azure pipeline task. So it's actually nothing to do with Dynamics in itself. But it's a component that you'd install in Azure DevOps, which means that you can automatically upload your build packages to LCS and automatically deploy them to a sandbox environment, not to production, but to a sandbox environment, which is a, which is really cool. I've actually set it up for, for one of my customers and it, it works really well. So you can actually have uh, release approvals and such things so that so you can actually have a, a automatic flow from checking in code to a specific branch, creates a build at a certain time in the evening, deploy, uh, uploads a package to LCS, and then sends out an approval request to people that needs to be able to approve if there should be a deploy to the UAT environment, for instance. Nice. That's really cool. It, it works really well, actually. Very cool. All right, so my last, uh, well, regular item, I have another, um, in Swedish it's called a bubblare, <laughs> something that's not really on the list, but it's uh, right below. But my, my last topic is uh, on common data service and the uh, dual write feature. So looking at the release date or the release um, schedule, we have the phase three <laughs> coming. Um, which is basically a number of um, projects and a number of features coming for common data service integration between finance and operations apps and the CDS. And, um, well, quickly, you can just note that it's purchase orders, activities and notes, um, specifically party and global address book. It's already in preview coming in. But my highlighted one, and I, to be honest, this is also in 1016, I think, it's the support for commerce price engine on demand. And this is, um, I tried to find out more information on this and I was not able to actually. So I'll, I'll try to do that for next next pod. But um, that's a very, very interesting topic because the commerce price engine is hard to build integrations on. Uh, you have you have trade agreements, you have prices, you have a discount, you have discount rules, you have affiliations, a number of scenarios where the pricing engine really comes into play where you have to, you have to always ask in the context of a customer or a channel and that's really hard to just export each night and say okay these are the prices we have etc you really want it to be real time and one simple truth to what this item costs so doing it via cds where you have an api to to connect dynamically to <laughs> dynamics um sounds very very interesting so i think that's one of the topics i will try to 
keep track of for next release, basically. Um, but uh, do read up on the phase three uh, investments for for um, CDS because it's really starting to become quite interesting. I know it's been uh, uh, it's more of a feature if you really run um, customer engagement. Uh, and it's a very interesting thing to have, even if you don't do customer engagement, I would say. Uh, I would argue now with Power Apps and a lot of other scenarios where you can actually um, gain benefits of using CDS. Okay, so my final one is uh, a bit close to my heart at the moment because I'm, I'm at a customer and I've been spending a week or so trying to debug uh, regression suite automation tool test suites, <laughs> uh, which is a bit <laughs> tricky to say the least sometimes. Um, so the one that, that is on my list uh, at the end is actually uh, the new version, uh, RSAT 2.0. Uh, so a couple of changes there is that they have uh, uh, replaced the... Uh, no, sorry, they have... They have um, made it a bit easier to manage the Excel parameter files because they have been a bit uh, tricky when it comes to, to the structure before. Uh, so that that is actually a, a big one. Uh, it's much easier to, to handle it. Um, my last topic, just one thing to raise, is actually from 10.13, but all the more reason to upgrade if you're on a previous version. Um, it was a, there's something called cancel shipment. It's when you do a transfer order shipment from Dynamics, um, and it's done in error. You want it's a mistake. Basically, you ship something from a warehouse to another. Um, there has always been, and even from AX2012, it's been a, a bit tedious to to correct those errors. You have to either post it and then do a movement journal, or post it and then do a transfer back to the original warehouse. One nice little thing I just want to raise is that they've actually added a cancel button from 10.13, where if something is shipped incorrectly, you can just click cancel. That's very nice. It's a very simple thing to add, and it should have been added in AX2012, <laughs> but now it's there. Um, I just want to raise it. If you're still on 10.12 or earlier versions, this in itself is a reason to upgrade if you're using transfer shipments. <laughs> yes, that's that's good. So that's uh, it for today. Uh, hopefully, this will this uh, uh, will will go out as soon as possible. Uh, as I said, this is the first time we do it in English, so it's it it might be a bit uh, sloppy, and I hope that you you have you can you can have the understanding of that. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, uh, we actually have an email address, and it's dynamicsupdate at engagegroup.se. So please send your questions and uh, remarks and uh, such there uh, and uh, you of, of course you will find the podcast everywhere where you find podcasts like uh, iTunes and TuneIn and, and uh, Google Podcasts and so on so that's good great so with that uh, have a nice time until the next release thank bye you bye. thank you Juan. bye bye